this is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by Dr. Nisha Mehta. Dr. Mehta is a great MD. Dr. Mehta, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show again, Scott. I actually just listened to our last episode to make sure I didn't focus on the same material. And I guess it's crazy to see how much things have changed in terms of what's top of mind this year versus the last time that we talked. But uh, um, for those um, who are unfamiliar with me, I am a radiologist. I'm a keynote speaker and I'm a physician community builder whose goals are primarily focused on cultural change in medicine and encouraging career longevity in medicine by basically addressing root causes of burnout, um, as well as empowering and advocating for physicians. So I currently run two physician communities whose membership totals over 110,000 verified physicians, and I'm very passionate about bringing physicians together to discuss issues in medicine, bridging demographic divides, and basically teaching each other valuable business and finance skills and pushing for change in medicine. Talk about those two communities that, that you've built. Talk about that. Sure. Um, so my original community was actually this community called Physician Side Gigs, which currently has a little over 70,000 physicians on that platform. Um, that community was started because I was actually starting out on my own journey in terms of writing and speaking in medicine. And I just wanted to connect with other physicians who were doing some things outside of medicine. Um, I added a few friends onto that group so that we had a centralized place to have those discussions. And over the years, that group has just exploded and it's become a lot more than just talking about side gigs. It's also been a place for physicians to come together and talk about business and finance skills in general, all of these things that we never learned in medical school, right? Um, and so um, that, that community grew uh, very rapidly. And then it became clear that people wanted to talk about things that weren't just related to business and finance and side gigs. Um, and we wanted to keep that community focused. So we actually created a linked sister community called Physician Community. Um, and that group has now grown to over 40,000 physicians. And that's basically a group where we talk about everything life and medicine. So whether it's talking about a hard day or, you know, asking questions related to, you know, bettering our education in terms of things that we um, want to run things by our colleagues, curbside consults, things like that, whether it is because we want to be able to share um, our experiences or frustrations or just share something that makes everyone laugh. Um, those, it's just a great place for, it's sort of a virtual doctor's lounge for people to come together and talk. So uh, yeah, those groups have been really, have evolved to a lot of the heart of what I do because in my speaking, I'm able to be able to speak to groups of, you know, a few hundred people at a time, but to be able to have access to 110,000 physicians um, and to be able to have these conversations in real time on a daily basis, 24 seven has been really great on, on my end of things. And if you think about just, you know, we've got less than a million physicians in this country in terms of the physician workforce. So we've got a substantial percentage of physicians in the country on those platforms. And it's been great to be able to see physicians come together across specialty, across demographics, across stage of practice or gender, you know, all of the different things that traditionally have divided us in our societies and really just bring us all together in one place to have these communications as, as a community has been really, really um, satisfying and fulfilling for me to see. Talk about where can people find Physician Side Gigs? And then I want to ask you a couple of questions about it. Yeah, sure. Physician Side Gigs is an online Facebook community. And so it is just, um, if you search for groups on Facebook, you'll see one called Physician Side Gigs. 
Um, it, the hyperlink is just www.facebook.com slash groups slash physician side gigs. Fantastic. Another question for you. Mm -hmm. Physicians seem so overwhelmed, so burnt out. Why is it great interest in side gigs when they're so overwhelmed? Is that, and I know there's multiple different pieces to that question, but, but why are side gigs so important to physicians? Yeah, it's funny. I get asked that a lot. And I think that there's just been this incredibly strong movement towards having alternative income streams and really exploring these other routes um, outside of traditional clinical pathways over the past five years. And I think the big thing that's really spurred that is as we've lost some autonomy in our lives in the clinical sphere, people are also looking for different ways to diversify income streams and also to be able to address even burnout, right? So not everybody's side gigs necessarily bring in a lot of money, but they may be passion projects that really bring them a lot of fulfillment on another end. I also think it's just a great way to connect with with other physicians who are doing other things and um, and just to be, able, to be able to feed a different part of your brain, I guess, to do something exciting and different is really fun for a lot of people. So we've got people on there that, you know, have art endeavors. We've got people on there that have opened restaurants. We've got people on there that are doing clinical side gigs related to medicine, like telemedicine or chart review or expert witness work, you know, it really runs the full gamut of what people are doing. And I think it really reflects kind of what people are looking for. So some people are really doing a lot of investing, right? And they're asking questions about real estate investments. So there's some that are very clearly more about income streams. And then there's some that are very much more just about pursuing passions and, and doing something a little bit different. I think everybody's got a different reason for being on there. But I do think that there's really been this community that has been excited by the fact that they can think of themselves as not, you know, to having more of a multifaceted career than, than just clinical medicine. And I think for a lot of people, that's been a real cure to burnout. I mean, I'll tell you for myself, it's really given me the power to practice medicine on my own terms, right? Because I'm no longer dependent on my clinical income for, um, you know, for, for financial purposes. And so I can say no to the things that I don't want to do or eliminate some responsibilities that aren't bringing me joy. And I think in, in general, that's really enhanced my overall career longevity so that I can really just concentrate on loving the heart of what I do clinically in terms of, you know, what, what is it that I, what brings me joy in medicine? I can really focus on that without having to, you know, I, I can practice medicine on my own terms, which is great. You're a remarkable builder and connector. Are, are your sidekicks building this community, the public speaking that you do, or what other sidekicks do you, what other, what other endeavors do you drive you? Yeah, so for me personally, I mean, I love, I do a lot of writing. I, I have a lot of contracts to do um, contracted writing work. I do a lot of speaking, obviously. Um, that has changed a little bit over the past year. Now I do a lot of virtual events as opposed to live in-person keynotes. Um, but that's definitely been really fun for me. I think it's fun on multiple levels. I obviously love getting to go and know new people and meet new people and talk about these issues in person. Um, I think that, that that has been really fulfilling for me on multiple levels because I'll be able to connect with people about these issues and I'll see the follow-up. I'll see, you know, I'll get an email in my inbox that says, oh, okay, you know, I was able to 
um, make this change in my career after something that you said, and that has really made a difference for me. And so I think that that's been really fulfilling. Um, in terms of other side, I do a lot of consulting for companies um, that are either looking to get into the physician space or um, or want to be able to connect with physicians. And that's that's been a really fun arm to what I do in terms of really being able to explore the business side of things. And then I do a lot of investing. So, you know, real estate investments, um, things like that, that I think have been, again, just really great ways to build up passive income streams. So two questions. As a keynote speaker, where do people find you as a keynote speaker if they want to hire you as a keynote speaker or hire you for their company to talk to them? Where do people find you? NishaMethaMD.com. So just my first name, last name, MD.com. Not very original, but just N-I-S-H-A-M-E-H-T-A-M-D.com. Fantastic. Real estate investing. What works in real estate investing? Talk about that for a moment. What works? What doesn't work? Two moments on that or any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that I can summarize it in two moments, but I'll try my best. Really, there's active passive or there's active real estate investing and there's passive real estate investing. A lot of physicians really like passive real estate investing um, because obviously they've got a lot on their plates and they're not necessarily looking to do a whole lot of active real estate management. So they invest in things like syndications or crowdfunding um, where, or REITs, right? Where you can literally, you know, invest your money and then, and then sit back and kind of, you're not an active part of that management on a daily basis. And I think that a lot of physicians start out in that realm more and more physicians are also thinking about putting their money into things like cash flowing rentals. Um, and again, they're just great income streams and they come with a lot of tax benefits, which most physicians, you know, a lot of physicians are employed at W-2 jobs these days. And so they don't get a lot in the way of tax benefits being a W-2 employee. And so um, real estate opens the, the, the tax game, I guess, a little bit in terms of opportunities for depreciation, opportunities for 1099 income, things or K-1 income, things like that, that, that can significantly change your, your tax scenario. Um, some people actually will have a stay-at-home spouse or somebody else that can, or they're working part-time and they can go for real estate professional status and that can really change their tax um, game as well. And so I think that those are things that a lot of physicians look into. Fantastic. And talk for a moment, Dr. Mehta, about what you're most excited about today. What excites you today? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, since the last time we talked, the world has changed significantly. Um, and the biggest new thing on my plate has really been mobilizing physicians on a grassroots level to come together and push for legislation that supports physicians. So when COVID swept in in March, our worlds, like the worlds of everyone else's in the country or in the world, really, were flipped upside down. And I think we were asked to step up in a way that was unprecedented during the course of most currently practicing physicians' careers, and we found ourselves extremely vulnerable. So while there was widespread lack of personal protective equipment, there were liability concerns, physicians were finding themselves living away from their families and efforts to protect their families, um, facilities in certain parts of the countries were overwhelmed, um, job security, compensation, all of these things were being threatened. Private practices, which you know are small businesses too, found themselves in danger of becoming insolvent. All of these things were happening in a setting that we were really just supposed to be focusing on patient care, and yet all of these other longstanding issues in the physician space 
were being amplified, global malpractice issues, physician autonomy issues within workplaces, retaliation against employed physicians for speaking up about things, burnout, stressors, financial issues, all of these things kind of came to a head. So all of a sudden I was seeing all of those issues playing out in personal anecdotes on my physician communities. And I just felt as though we actually needed to do something um, because these were all untold stories that never made it to the national stage, but were real, really impacting our ability to optimally show up and, and deliver care and just focus on that. So, you know, I think physicians, unlike many other professional groups, have traditionally really had their heads down in their work and have always had a large number of barriers to coming together and speaking up. So one really cool thing that I've been working on this year, um, we had over 100,000 physicians that we gathered up in like grassroots and nonpartisan fashion. And we put together a document called the COVID-19 Pandemic Physician Protection Act, the C3PA. And through myself and Dr. Carlos Vitell and his wife, Dr. Carla Vitell, we actually delivered it to congressional leadership on behalf of physicians and other healthcare workers. So it's been a really interesting six months, but I'm excited to say that we were, you know, actually able to be a part of ensuring more funding for physician practices and hospital systems, as well as, you know, a lot of other monetary and non-monetary wins. And I'm really hoping that we'll continue to be able to advocate on that front and get more provisions enacted that can really help healthcare workers in general. So um, that's that's really the biggest thing that has um, really occupied a lot of my year, but that's been really exciting to just see physicians kind of coming together in this grassroots way and really advocating for their needs. And, and, and you have this remarkable energy, drive, passion. Where does it all come from? Were you always like that? Where does this, where does it all come from? Um, you know, I think that that experiences really spur um, what you're passionate about. And I think for me, I've had this sort of one thing led to another story um, for the last few years where, you know, prior to six years ago or seven years, I guess six years ago, I had a very traditional career, right? I was an academic physician. Um, I had grant funding. I was really just kind of, you know, I was working full time. Everything was very uh, sort of a typical story that you hear from somebody who went straight through all the way. I've always been interested in other things. Um, you know, I'd taken classes at Wharton during my time at Penn and I had always loved health policy. I'd done a summer of health policy work um, between my first year and second year of med school, where I worked with the assistant surgeon general, uh, I did a lot of policy and nonprofit work during college. And so I've definitely always been interested in that space, but my career was always relatively traditional. And then, um, you know, sort of my husband is a plastic surgeon and he had just finished training at Duke and we were planning on moving back up to the Northeast. And at the last minute, we made a decision to take a different job down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I ended up having some time off to really just kind of, you know, well, I was looking for a job in that last minute scenario, but during that time had about six months of downtime where I tried to find that job and interviewed for that job and got credentialed for that job where I really was able to kind of take a step back and look at what was happening in the healthcare space and what I saw as issues with, you know, the culture of medicine and, and different changes in the healthcare landscape. And I started writing about all of those things and, the more that I wrote about them, the more I connected with people who were really feeling the same way and really fueled my passion to be able to do something to change that on a more national level and really make an impact. And I think as the communities grow, I all of a sudden had the numbers to really be able to support and fuel a movement of sorts. And so I didn't want that to go to waste. And I think uh, now I, I really am just very passionate about trying to give back to the profession that has given me so much um, 
and really work together with my colleagues to take a lot of these frustrations that we're having and channel them into something productive. Well, fantastic. I'll ask you one final question. Um, University of Pennsylvania or Duke, which is a better institution? <laughs> well, I didn't go to Duke. I was on faculty at UNC Chapel Hill, so I have no loyalty to Duke. So pen hands down in that scenario. <laughs> and that works. You could say that at home regardless. That's okay. It's okay. You know, we have a very split household in terms of our Duke-UNC loyalties because my younger son was born at UNC. Both of my kids were at the UNC daycare while I was on faculty at UNC, and my husband was at Duke. And so we had a very strong UNC pull in our family until Duke won the championship um, our last year while we were there, at which point my older son turned um, and became a Duke fan. So we now have a very strong Duke-UNC rivalry within the family. But uh, I think we're all fond of Penn for, for my time there. Um, and uh, so we, we don't have issues on that front, but we have a very clear North Carolina to North Carolina rivalry within the family. As you would expect in a Duke-UNC family. Magnificent. Yes. But yes. Nisha, a pleasure visiting with you today. Thank you so much. Just great and, and really inspiring. Thank and Thank you very much. No, thank you for joining us again on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Talk to you soon.